0: Hello, welcome to Hattrick. I am Jordan Dollar-Coltman. I am joined by Elliot Tanti and Braden Dollar-Coltman. I'll just take this quick temperature of the room. Uh, compared to about 30 minutes ago when the Oilers were looking at overtime uh, to now. how uh, How's the blood pressure all around? How are we all doing?
1: Woo! Feeling great. Really
2: yeah, I'm feeling somewhat relieved, um, but uh i don't know if my heart's gonna be able to take this if we go on a run boys
0: <laughs> it was like passing a kidney stone wasn't it it was kind of like <laughs> you're so relieved when it's over but there's nothing pleasurable about the nah,
1: no no there's a lot of pacing uh okay. we'll talk about
0: that in topic one. we got lots to talk about there we'll talk about what else is going on in the nhl we'll take our hats
1: off here we go here it is, Topic one. is
0: all right we're not gonna waste any time I'm sure if you're listening to this, you know we're all Oilers fans. Uh, It has been another dramatic and stressful and frustrating and fascinating first-round series with the LA Kings. I guess that's exactly what we should have expected. We went six games with them last year. I, I have said multiple times over the course of this week that I believe very strongly that the management of the Los Angeles Kings and the coaching staff of the Los Angeles Kings has built this LA Kings to beat one team. And that is the Edmonton Oilers. They look at the Pacific division the same way a lot of other teams do. And they say, all right, we can't be the fastest or we're not going to outscore everybody, but how, what team do we have to worry about? You know, I'm sure everybody in the central division looks at Colorado and goes, we got to be built to beat them. The Oilers have to be high on a lot of people's priority lists, especially a team that knows they're going to face them every year. That's the LA Kings. They are built very well to beat this team. They play a very frustrating game for the way the Oilers like to play. The 1-3-1 trap is annoying as shit to watch. It reminds me of the 90s, but it has been effective. The LA Kings have taken advantage of their opportunities. Tonight they went up 3 nothing in the first period, and I know there were a lot of people for whom it felt dead and in the already gone. And yet the Edmonton Oilers, as they have done many times before, found a way to find an extra gear. And you can't, you just can't count this team out. Braden, your thoughts so far on the series. We're now facing a best of three. Where you were five or six days ago prior to the series to where you are today. It's been a bit of a roller coaster, but where are you at now that we're tied up at two?
1: I was riding the high of our last, I mean, you know. 20 games have been kind of a breeze so really buckling into like playoff hockey hard uh highly highly physical um against a team that's really defensive our our problem over the last three games have been discipline like staying out of the penalty box has been a challenge and then we're able to do it to some extent i mean we did a good job staying out of the box i wouldn't say that um, everything worked in our favor clearly uh, but i think i think things are happening with the team where like they're really starting to find momentum at certain moments it's a game of chances though and um they're they're, they're finding themselves with a lot more chances than they're actually um, succeeding on so I don't, it's stressful man'm I'm, I'm still quite stressed about the next couple games but um it's nice to see jack Campbell like come in and actually, you know, be the $5 million that we paid for, for these kinds of situations.
0: Well, let's talk about that. Cause obviously Skinner has been the guy and he, even through the first three games with two losses really had played very well. Um, you couldn't really blame him for a lot of what was out there. He was getting, you know, caught on penalty kills and caught on odd man rushes and things like that. And the LA Kings are a very fast strike team. They kind of remind me a little bit of some of those European soccer teams that they they play such a, an aggressive defensive game um, that they kind of lull you into this sense that they're not really aggressive offensively. But then when they get the puck in there, they're a great cycle team. They got the puck down low. They make it difficult. And we we saw multiple odd man rushes tonight. They score on one and then Campbell with the huge save Elliot. Um, Obviously, it turns out to be the right call. It's a questionable or difficult decision to pull your goaltender at the end of a first period when you're only, you know, you, you, he's allowed three goals, but maybe one of them he should have back. To be fair, uh, but Campbell comes in and does what's asked of him. Yes, he gives up that odd man rush on the Roy play, but he makes a huge save on Arvidson. He has two or three yeah. good defensive plays in overtime. Um, how did you feel about the play of Jack Campbell and and, and sort of moving forward now? That obviously that's going to be a question mark
2: yeah I, I mean i think it is a question mark and it's uh we'll we'll, we'll leave that to next week to decide what happens next i mean it's tough you know it's three nothing after the first period of game four in which you're down a, in the series two games to one it's very difficult for me to pin any of that on skinner uh even the three nothing game tonight i think they they obviously you know took him out because the team needed a spark. And that's exactly what it provided to the team. And, you know, we, we've seen this happen plenty of times in the NHL in the past, and it worked. Um, so that's good. It feels really good to be able to to have Jack Campbell come in there and do what he did, which was hold the fort. I mean, a number of important key and key saves in the second. Edmonton was not the better team in the third. In fact, I think they got play in the third. We're lucky to get out of that period with the tie that they did And a large reason why they were able to, and they weren't down 5-3 or even 6-3, was the play of Campbell. So, yeah, really nice to have him there.
1: So Don't don't you think he starts, Elliot? Like, I got to disagree in the last, like, the second game that we lost, Skinner, Skinner led in two absolutely unacceptable goals in the NHL level. And so you're seeing these kind of, like, rookie... I mean, it was nice to see DRNA finally get benched in the third period and, and beyond, because it's like these games matter. And, and to be stuck in these situations with these rookies like now, granted, Skinner has earned his spot and he's an all star and he deservedly you know, needs to be in the net. But uh, don't you ride? Don't you ride? Camp- Campbell just came in and saved your series just now.
2: Yeah, so, I mean, so I'm I absurd. I think the questions open there. I didn't feel particularly comfortable in Campbell's play, but that's generally how he plays as a goalie. So that might be something that I just, as a fan, have to get used to. I think Skinner looks like a more complete goaltender uh, uh on the whole. I mean, but your pay- point is fair. Three out of the four games played, the Oilers have been the better team, and yeah. they've come out with one win and two losses and at times in the playoffs if your team's rolling and you're playing really well you need your goalie to make a big save and Skinner has yet to sort of do that I, it's hard for me to even say that but you know he hasn't made the save that Jack Campbell made in the third period tonight yeah. that's yeah. the di- been the difference so either way that whatever Woodcraft decides to go with for game five I would support it I think there's there's arguments on both sides for who you play
0: uh brain you mentioned the vinnie Deharna benching i think it's interesting that it took a long time to get there but the all three of those goals he's he's out of position or making the mistake he gets beat flat-footed on the on the the i think it was arvidson's goal he pinched Um, on him He, he uh, he he's responsible in in some parts for a bad play in the first overtime game that leads to the penalty he's responsible for a bad turnover in game two he's Clearly showing the rookie experience level. And we've seen that before. Ethan bear and the Winnipeg series comes to mind and it's challenging. Those guys at the NHL level are going to get exposed when you face the same team over and over because the other team's able to identify and the LA Kings have clearly identified that when he's out there on the ice, that's an opportunity for them to attack it. And they seem to be doing that. And it's like when you have a DB who just can't keep up with the wide receiver, they're going to keep hitting that guy. And I think it was smart that they benched him. I'm curious about the decision to bench Clem Costin down the stretch. He didn't play a single minute of the third or overtime period. And it hmm. feels like, you know, he's been okay. He scored a goal. He's played pretty well. I don't know what the l- reasoning for that was other than maybe just shortening the bench, yeah, but you have to be happy to see both Kane and Hyman get on the, the goal sheet. I want to talk about those two goals because I am seeing a pattern and Clem Costin comes into this. We have now seen, we have now seen Corpusalo beat three times off of the rush on that, um, I guess it's his right-hand side. Most all, except for the Hyman one tonight, there are cross-body shots. But the Evander Kane shot, which is off the rush, caught him out of position. He wasn't set for it. The Klim Kostin goal that won us game uh, two, the same situation. He wasn't set for it. And then Hyman's is a very lucky puck to sneak underneath the arm there. But yet, it still goes in. And it shows you that uh, Korpisalo is vulnerable with a shot up high in the body on the rush. And that is what something the Oilers should be trying to find more opportunities to do guys like McLeod guys like Warren Fogle who get those chances. And a lot of times they're, they're playing into to the corner, which is smart against this one, three, one trap. You have to get offensive zone time. That's what got the Oilers both power plays in the second period because they were moving their feet in the offensive zone. However, I think that that is a scouting Note that the Oilers should be taking into consideration, and when possible, chucking pucks up high on Corpusalo off of that wing is—it's proven that you can score. I mean, that's but also a out of the game.
1: zone. We're like, we have to now talk about Evan Bouchard because the the what he's you know the last couple of seasons he's been in that position where we're like the Darnay or the the yeah. terrible Ethan Bear you know, let's it go or just a dumb, dumb pass. And then you see tonight, like this stretch pass that leads to a, yeah. And he
0: is definitely showing a level of maturity. He had that difficult play in the first game uh, that was costly, but since then he has played really, really well. I think we're seeing a maturity out of him.
1: Um, I I don't know. That that hit from behind looked really bad. I thought thought it was really good.
0: He (laughs) got his hand up in front of the face there. And that's an interesting question. So there's been a lot of talk all week about refereeing. We got a new set of referees. Uh, This game. Now, these are referees that have a history with the Oilers of uh, a lot of difficult calls have gone uh, against the Oilers with these referees. Um, But I thought tonight it was a very well refereed playoff game. I thought every call was a penalty. I thought they let a lot of stuff go, but I thought they let a lot of stuff go on both sides. And I'm okay with that in the playoffs, as long as you call it both ways. If you're going to, how call do you it decide what? Because it's got to be egregious, and that's what they did. Every one of the penalties that was oh,
1: called. Oh, I don't know. I don't think that was rough fault tonight. I personally do not think it was. I
0: think that that was a well played, a re- well ref playoff game. They let the stuff that should go go. There's no reason to be calling what? all of them. how, like, did, that day, stuff how did the how did Triscido score
1: that goal? Cool. Hold like, on. Dowdy hold was,
0: on. To the hold on no, he wasn't. Watch sec. the replay. He never touched his feet with a <laughs> his stick. stick. <laughs> no, he didn't, Braden. Watch it back. Watch it back. The replay clearly shows wow. he just blew a tire. Yeah, that's a tire.
2: not the play I'm thinking of, though. There, th- this is one thing I will push back on you because you hate the makeup call, and there was a clear and obvious makeup call tonight where McDavid got punched and thrown to the ice. They didn't call it, and then two minutes later the call that they made in favor of on fiala of the that, a penalty. No way
0: that's a penalty, that's a penalty. and the difference. No you want to know way. what the difference is, Elliot? You want to know what the difference is? One of them is in that the was neutral a make-up zone. Call. One of them is in the neutral zone and one of them is in the attacking zone. That is the difference. And I am okay with that in the playoffs. That is the standard they're setting. Huh. If you are going to intentionally no. take a player out of the play, when he's in the cycle, in the offensive zone, I I I'll take that. If there's two guys who are in a battle, look, cause they could have easily called McDavid for holding a moment earlier on Byfield, Cause he clearly kept his elbow in there in the neck. In fact, I don't know if you saw it, but coming out of the commercial break by, Field had ice on his neck. Like the guy was clearly tied up on that play. He got up. He got frustrated. Pushed him down. A game ago, that would have been a penalty. I'm okay with those things going. I want the guys to be able to play. I I have maybe once in my entire life agreed with Mark Spector. But Mark Specter tweeted in Game Three about how. Multiple times penalties were being called that would never have even been called in the regular season. It was absolutely egregious in terms yes, of the decision making that was being there. For me, I would rather in the playoffs, you let stuff go. These are fully grown adult fucking professional hockey players. Let it be physical. Let them get at each other. Yeah, but call there's line no way that call and keep on- the line.
2: Fiala's yeah, the right call. There's no He hit him. It was a hit. Yeah. Drysaddle, he left him no, nowhere to go. Watch it again. Watch it, it again. watch it again. Because I have he watched kind of I've watched all of them.
0: <laughs> he put his stick. It was a he, makeup call Elliot, for the Elliot, Go I watch it again. What was the call? What was the call? Tripping. Yeah. Watch it again. His stick is between his legs. He clearly has the stick in between Drysaddle's legs and Drysaddle Falls. It's a trip. The one that Braden's bringing up on Dowdy, the, the stick is nowhere near his feet. I'm sorry. They tried. I, I stand by this. Called. I, I will stand that. by this. Go back and watch it. When they play it in 30 minutes before next game, go and watch it. Every one of those is a penalty. Now there are lots of non calls. I will agree with that, <sighs> but I'm okay with that because it, I'm okay with over the team. course of the game. Non-call. It balances out. It's a fair game. Both teams have a competitive advantage. There were at least two uh, additional trips that they let go while we were on the power play in overtime with sticks and lanes that our guys tripped over and they did not call. And I agree with that. It has to be. A blatant, aggressive play. If you were so just here's trying to play the puck, I let don't it go.
2: necessarily disagree with you, but here's what I would say. I felt like tonight was the first time where I had any understanding of what the standard was. I that's agree. where I would agree with you. I did feel like there was a standard tonight and it was largely kept to.
0: Yeah, 100%. and I agree with that. I think that's, that that's the, the a challenge.
2: The last two, the last three games, that's not been. Yeah, necessary. and
0: you can argue with what that is, but I guarantee if you ask the players, they would rather you make the calls they make tonight and hold that be the line and let them go and play. The other thing is neither team in this series has had like aggressive, violent over the top. Well, it's
1: interesting. You say that because like after the McDavid retaliatory push and then the Bouchard, hit from behind there was no response that's the what i mean
0: there's and no, now is that
1: them going listen don't, we don't want to take a penalty we don't want to. or take is that penalty. a change in yeah. culture of like no, it's we both, don't it's both. But go
0: go compare this series to the toronto tampa series where there's wow, so much Minnesota bad blood and, yeah. and it's violent like it we is chuck
1: fighting goalies now. messy
0: and the truth is the truth is there are two factors to that one yes there's a lot of emotion yes those teams don't like each other but i would also argue that is referees allowing it to get out of hand the mm. difference here is that when you call a tight but fair game and you don't make the players feel like you're up against them from the referee perspective, they keep it cleaner. And I think that that's what's happened here. These teams know what the standard was tonight. They played to it. And look, I if LA goes into the press conferences post-game and complains about the referees, I have no sympathy for it because tonight it was it was balanced either way. And the others couldn't even capitalize on their overtime power play. So from well, LA's the other perspective, thing too, it's what it is. The other, the other thing, too,
2: one. is these two teams are so strong on the power play. I mean, tonight, Edmonton's mm-hmm. two for three. LA's one for two. And that's the other thing that's really interesting is that these are teams that make you pay when you take penalties. So that's why I think there's a a heightened awareness around
0: that's this right. as well. Too. That's fair. Yeah. All right. So best of three now. To finish this series off, the Oilers obviously with home ice advantage right. back and they get to play twice at home, uh, barring, of course, losing twice or winning twice for that matter. But the, the, it's a best of three here. So w- we kind of dug a little bit into the goaltending thing. And that'll obviously be that everybody's going to be talking about that for the next 48 hours. I guess the question is this. What do the Oilers need to do to prepare themselves, knowing what they know now for the rest of this series? Is it about more Broberg, less DeHarnay? Is it about trying to find another way to get another forward in there? So we go back to a a more traditional 12 and six. We know that Holloway has been called back up. We know that Devin shore hasn't seen any action, but might be an interesting wrinkle here. We don't know the status of Kane who didn't play this morning, looked hurt multiple times in that bench. I, for me, that looks like a, like a pulled muscle or something more than a Mm -hmm. bone or structural injury because it's the ways he scored. So it's clearly, you know, it's, it's, it's what it is. Everyone's got bumps and bruises. What are the keys? I said this before the series, but what are the keys and the X factors for this next three games? Now that we know how this series is going to be played, Elliot, what do the Oilers need to do to win?
2: I think it's two things. I think it's continued depth scoring and contributions from the back end, namely Bouchard and uh, discipline.
1: Braden. Yeah. hundred percent discipline. Um, and the fact that we were in the box twice tonight, it's like, that's a, that's a step towards improvement. <laughs> Uh, And they got a W out of it. So that and I think just like a solid, solid back end. And that really is, you know, stopping pucks from getting too hemmed into our zone because we we have such a hard time getting out.
0: I think that's the big thing for me. You look at what they did in the second period structurally was that they played such an aggressive four check that they got opportunities in the offensive zone. They kept the puck down there and we've seen them do that. Look, they did that period one of game one and they came out with a two, nothing lead. They did that period one of game two. They came out with a two, nothing lead. Like the Oilers know how to take it to the Kings. The question is, can they put together three complete periods doing that? And when they figure that out, I think they're the better team in the series. The challenge they have is that the way that LA grinds you down sometimes costs the Oilers when they get caught pinching and get caught chasing. They have 100%. to be the aggressor and they have to push. Look, all I would do if I'm Jay Woodcroft is I would play a three-minute highlight package of the second period. That's all they have to see. Don't say a word. Just show them that. Say, play like that and you're the best team. Period. <laughs> and then figure did. out the who you're going to start.
1: Period of the playoffs. Who you're start. <laughs> they lost. See who you're going to start.
0: That's why I say you got to play like that all three periods, right? And in fact, yeah. in overtime, the Kings had two scoring chances in this overtime. The Oilers pushed the whole way, and that's what you need to do. Uh, all right. Well, we will see. They play Tuesday uh, in Edmonton. That'll be game five. And then uh, we'll go from there. All right. That's topic one. Topic two this week is brought to
2: us by Ellipses Thinking. Ellipses Thinking is the newest podcast from the Ordinary Podcasting Network. Host Greg dowler coltman shares his conversations with people actively engaged in their own creative adventures, those who identify as artists, and those who choose to experience life through an artistic lens. They shed light on relationships that shape and inspire us as we meet the challenges, discoveries, and learnings we make when we courageously invite our creative spirit forth. You can subscribe or follow anywhere you get your podcasts.
0: All right, let's do a quick rundown of the rest of the playoffs here in topic two. So lots of fun series, uh, a very interesting um, East, and and we've seen some fun stuff in the West. But the, the, the big storyline, obviously, right now is that you've got a couple teams that a couple series that, as we already talked about in topic one, have gotten very, very heated. Let's talk about the Stars Wild for a second, if we if we can. This series is the other series right now that's tied 2-2. Uh, of course, everyone in the East has only played three games. So, not everyone in the East, I'm sorry. the couple games in the East, a couple games in the West. 2-2. They'll play tomorrow. Uh, 2-1. 2-2 is the Stars in the Wild. That has been a fascinating series to watch because, again, like last year, Ottinger for Dallas has really emerged as another like really clutch playoff performer and the wild have been switching goaltenders, uh, which is interesting, especially after you win a game, you switch goaltenders for me, seems odd, but they made that choice and they lost. <laughs> uh, they lose tonight to tie the series. Dallas wins three, two Brayden. Uh, this series has gotten pretty feisty. Um, what are your thoughts on where Dallas and the wild could end up here?
1: Well, I, st- I do think the wild are going to be able to, f- finish this thing out they didn't look good in Dallas so you know that's a bit of a concern but I do think that they've got the goaltending if they can just stick with Gustafson um I mean it's nice to have Flurry but he, he did not look good against Dallas and it's a high high-flying offensive team I, I really do still think that my prediction of Minnesota is gonna gonna pull through um I I hope that it settles down I think that's a bit of a silly thing to say but it, um you know there's some there's some big uh there's some big players in both of those series
0: Elliot where are we at with our predictions on that series remind us of the choices or picks we made for the Minnesota wild uh Dallas Stars series
1: so
2: this is one of the few series where we're all still live for our picks uh we all picked Minnesota um either in six or seven games Jordan and Braden in six and myself in seven uh so we're all live on that front I mean I I, I was very concerned with the goaltending shift. I, I guess I sort of get it uh, on one angle, but it just feels like overcoaching. And mm-hmm. if Minnesota finds a way to lose this series, um, that's what I'm going to be pointing to is the reason why.
0: Let's talk about uh, the two series right now that are up 3-1. So they're they're, they're pretty... I mean, it's feeling pretty juggernaut out there for the Boston Bruins. We all knew they were the team to beat here. They, they've had a phenomenal season. And barring the one loss to the Panthers here, they win tonight, Sunday night, 6-2. Uh, and right now they just look like they have the Panthers figured out. Uh, the Panthers have had to switch goaltending. They went from Lyon to start the series now, but Brovsky's in there. It's not really working either way. Uh, the Bruins are kind of physically beating them up. We almost saw Kachuk and Olmark get into an altercation. Uh, Ulmer left the game, I think, more from a precautionary perspective than anything. He was, he could have had someone else serve the 10 minute major, but he, uh, he left and Swayman finished it. And what a luxury the Bruins have there. But, uh, Elliot, I don't know what our picks were here, but I feel like we're still all on pace.
2: No, we're not all on pace. We all took Boston, uh, but Brayden took them in four. They can no longer win in four. You have Boston in five, and I have Boston in six. So you and I are still live in this series. Uh, yeah, absolutely, it's getting heating up. I mean, the thing about it, though, is Chuck gets better when he gets into these sorts of situations. It's going to be really interesting to see if they if the Florida can find another way to to find a way to squeak out game five. Uh, I wouldn't bet on it, but uh, that's the only hope they have, that somehow they've awakened awoken some beast in that. Otherwise, Boston just looks like the team that we've seen all year, right?
1: Braden? Yeah, I think Boston's going to be able to finish this thing up. I, I, I mean, I don't think I don't think Florida's going to have a hard. Yeah, they're just, yeah, they're not going to make it.
0: So let's talk about the Hurricanes and the Islanders for a second before we move to the, the series that are only have only played three games. The Hurricanes are really banged up. That's what's been really interesting mm. here. They're still finding ways to win, but they're missing Tara Vinen, They're missing uh, Pacioretty. I believe there's another one of their main starters out there, but they have Sebastian Ajo who is playing out of his mind. Clearly, they're getting decent goaltending. They're winning games handily. 5-2 tonight against the Islanders. The Islanders just looked like, I don't know, a shell uh, in that third period. I don't know if you saw any of it. But they just they, they, just don't look like they have an answer for the for the firepower of the Hurricanes. You just keep getting all of these odd man rushes. Um, Elliot, maybe remind us of what our picks were here. But uh, this one feels, again, a little bit like the Hurricanes have a stranglehold. And they've got, obviously, another three chances now to knock them out.
2: Yeah, so Braden's on the precipice of doing something amazing here and one-shotting this this series. He had Carolina in five. I had Carolina in seven. Uh, you had the Islanders in six. <laughs> so, I was just being
0: the, the outsider. Yeah, that was my underdog sure. pick. They totally, just Totally fair.
2: <laughs> totally yeah. fair. Totally. We love those picks, and when they work out, they're great. Um, but, yeah, definitely – you know what? I said it when I made the pick, and, and I'll stick to it uh rod Brindamore, i think yeah, my, like the best coach right now in hockey
0: yeah that's definitely a good take i i i would stand by that he's one of the most interesting and most uh intelligent communicators that we have and uh fascinated to see what'll happen there in Carolina, let's go to the other rounds, the other series that, as I say, are, are all going to have their game fours go on Monday. We have the other Canadian teams in this grouping, so we've got the Jets and the Golden Knights playing. Uh, the Golden Knights winning in double overtime on Saturday night to take a two-one lead in the series. Yeah, uh, obviously this, this series back in Winnipeg that was a tough one for sure. Yeah, um, can Winnipeg bounce back? I guess is the question, or are the Golden Knights starting to just like a like a boa constrictor just tighten their grip? On them mentally. I mean, and this, is, <laughs> and
2: this is a stupid thing to say, but I mean, the next game is so important. Obviously, every every game four is important. It usually <laughs> is the difference between 3-1 and 2-2. Uh, and and it will be the same in this series, too. Um, as much as I really dislike Vegas and the way they've circumvented the cap and how frustrating that is, it's very difficult to bet against them. I think the last game was the game. I think whether Winnipeg wins or the Winnipeg or Vegas wins, that'll be the deciding moment. It'll either be how Winnipeg responded to that devastating loss, or if uh, Vegas is willing to sort of capitalize on the devastation there to finish off the series. You have Vegas and I have Vegas. Uh, You have Vegas in seven. I have Vegas in five. Uh, Braden has Vegas or Winnipeg in six in that one.
1: I think Winnipeg can absolutely have a shot at coming back. They they still have their next games in at home, so we you know they still have their their whiteout, and there's you know don't don't rule out Connor Hellebuck. They were in that game. The last game was, it was what double overtime. Like this this team's in it. The Winnipeg's. I I would be scared for to see Winnipeg in the second round if I was the others. Like it's it's yeah, and and frankly. I think six, but it very well could be a seven-game series.
0: Let's talk Devils-Rangers, the Battle of the uh, Turnpike, the New Jersey Turnpike. We got a 2-1 series here after the Rangers had gone up 2-0, the Devils winning in overtime on Saturday night 2-1. So this has been an interesting and, again, very heated rivalry. Um, so let's, let's just discuss this one here. The Rangers, I think, were the predominant favorites here, but the Devils have come back to make it interesting. What do you have?
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, I I feel like this is the quintessential series—the gate that win in five. Like, I think the Rangers are way overpowering. Like, they're they're just so much of a better team than the Devils. I love the Devils, and the Devils are going to be good for a long time. A lot of good young players there. Lots of oh. excitement in that city, hundred percent. But this is the series that they kind of have to lose before they get good. And I think the Rangers are just going to overpower them. There's so much firepower on that team. I have like the most embarrassing story to tell you guys. I went all out on Rangers in my fantasy hockey at uh, pool at work. And I forgot that Tarasenko played for the Rangers. That's how, like, because I was just going through the list and like, Greater and uh, Kreider and Kane Panarin and Pan P- yeah Panarin I was yeah one, when I, Panarin's
1: I, the fifth guy you <laughs> mentioned I know
2: I know and I was like I totally forgot about Tarasenko who's got a performance yeah Out man, and this team I is
1: a Kreider Zabinijad.
2: it's ridiculous yeah it's Abinijad. I know this team is stacked I think the New York Rangers are sneaky good we all have New York in this series I have them in five Braden in six and Jordan in seven. Uh, and I feel really if I were to if I were to bet my have to bet my life on a series right now yeah. it would be winning
1: this. Series. We haven't even mentioned the 2022 Vesna 100%. winner. <laughs> it's loaded. Yeah, you're gonna win for sure.
0: Well, I,
1: I echo the exact sentiment about the Devils.
0: Let's talk Avalanche Kraken real quick here. This is another series, of course, that I said is 2-1, and the Avalanche have the lead here. The Kraken gave them some fits there for a moment, but the Avalanche just dominated them on Saturday night, 6-4. The interesting question mark for me with this is that the Kraken have found ways to score, and the Avalanche, who obviously still have the firepower or whatever, have, have, I don't know, like it feels to me like the Avalanche are giving the Kraken a lot more chances than I would have expected them to. Are the Avalanche just do they just know having gone all the way last year that they can take their time here? This doesn't have to, they don't have to like roll them over like, or, or is Seattle that good, I guess. They don't the have
1: question. the goaltending. They do not have the goaltending this year. I don't think Gorgiev and given are a one, two that can take you all the way to the cup. Like, I mean, I'm sure they'll get around a couple rounds, but I, uh, I think it's a goaltending, frankly.
0: Where's our picks with this one, Elliot?
1: Everyone has
2: Colorado, me in five, Jordan and six, Braden in seven. Uh, my question here is the question I had going into the series was also how was always how healthy is Colorado? And after losing the first game, I certainly had some question marks. They seem to have figured it out since then uh, and are playing very well. I, I am sort of of the mind that Seattle's going to continue to make this a series as long as they continue to score. And Brayden, I hadn't thought much about the goaltending in Colorado. Maybe that is the challenge. Um, I think I still feel confident in the pick in Colorado, but this is turning out to be a lot closer than I predicted. As I said, yeah. I had them in five.
1: Well, I like this is the franchise really first crack at being in postseason. So uh, they're, they're definitely trying to make the most of it. You're not really out of it until
2: you lose two at home. Hey, that that's the story of Winnipeg and Seattle. If mm-hmm. they can win at home, then you know, that's very interesting for both of them. Yeah.
0: All right. Let's talk about the uh the other marquee matchup in this country. We've got the Maple Leafs and the Lightning, uh, two familiar foes in the first round. Uh, and the Maple Leafs looking to finally slay their dragon. Um, but you know, it's it's shaping up to be a very uh continually tumultuous series they are up two one they won four three in overtime on saturday night big big momentum swing for, for for toronto but the lightning obviously will be looking to answer back still at home the question is will all of the maple leafs or all of the tampa bay lightning make it out of this series healthy and without being suspended regardless of who wins because this series has been very very
1: very uh messy <laughs> it's certainly the series that has the most on the line uh it you know it's it's there's quite a history these teams have faced each other numerous times in the playoffs Toronto has not gotten out of the first round Tampa Bay's been to the finals in the last three years four years. It's, so there's there's lots on the line here, and I I don't see how we wouldn't see a seven games of this. Like the first game, 7-3 for Tampa, second game, 7-2 for Toronto, and then we finally had a, a game that was relatively close. Like these, yeah, There's they're all up for blood. They're, they're all up for it. They're, there's so much on the line here.
0: Well, and when you so, have coaches sniping at each other in the media too, it's not just on the on the ice. But or GMs a lot of yelling fans. at fans, like yeah, there's if, a lot if of animosity.
1: a hot time. was yelling at a fan. Like that person would be fired. Like the organization should be held accountable here. It's interesting. It's very interesting.
2: I I have a feeling we're going to hear about the NHL stepping in on this series. It's I think it's gone too far to be honest. And I think from like a public relations and image standpoint, yeah, we all love fiery playoff series, but I think when it gets to the point where we're at, where you've got the issues of management, coaching, multiple suspensions, blowout games, uh, Corey Perry being Corey Perry. uh, I I wonder if things might, uh, there, there might be, uh, you know, we talked about refereeing or uh, referees in the in, in the first segment. I wonder if there might be a heavy hand in terms of refereeing uh, in this next game uh, in Tampa Bay. We are all still live for our picks. Interestingly, uh, Braden and I have Toronto. I have Toronto in five, uh, <laughs> which is interesting. And Braden, Toronto in seven. Jordan, you had Tampa Bay in six. Um, my sense is I was really off in my prediction that this series is going to go long.
0: All right, that's great. Let's leave it there. That's topic two. Hey, I'm Sayer, and I love Marvel.
2: And I'm Kaylee, and I love someone who loves Marvel.
0: <laughs> and we're watching through the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe, or MCU, in release order... For Kaylee's first time. And
2: Sayers 85th.
0: <laughs> Wherever you listen to podcasts, you can find MCU
2: and me. Sayers obsessed. And Kaylee's the best.
1: MCU and me.
0: Okay, we're going to do hats off this week. I would like to go first. I would like to take my hat off to uh, former Canuck, former Anaheim Duck, and f- and current uh, Hockey Night in Canada panel member Kevin Diexa. Now I never thought in my life Jeez, that I would, would like say Kevin say that, Bieksa. but let me tell you why pregame when giving his analysis of what the Oilers needed to do, he pointed out how the one three, one trap for the LA Kings is incredibly boring and gives them many opportunities to cheat. Those were his exact words. I thought to myself, wow, this is interesting. He pointed out he was wearing oiler colors. Because he was no, he hoping wasn't. that they were. It winning. was
1: red and blue.
0: It's <laughs> this kind guy's of a, a fool. It's, it's kind of a salmony orange. Anyway, Not listen to his close. listen to his analysis post first period. All right, his exact words were: "The Oilers are by no means out of this. They just need to get offensive time to draw some penalties. If they get a power play, they can make it three one, and they're off to the races. Then they get an, a regulation goal. It's three 2 and then who knows what happens. They get another power play goal. Maybe they get an odd man rush. It's 3-3. We're back in the hockey game. That is exactly what happened. They had a power play. They scored 3-1. They got a regular a regular strength goal, 3-2. They got a power play goal, 3-3. And all of a sudden, we're looking at a very different hockey game, and mm. Kevin Bieksa looks like a genius. Now, here's the best part. Going into overtime. Yeah, he, this is the crazy one. He turned his his jacket inside out, like a rally cap. nice. And then he makes this call when they ask him who he is picking. Cause they, you know, hockey and Canada they always make everybody pick a player. He goes, I'll take Hyman. Who's got to get hot for the Oilers. And then for the LA Kings, I'm going to pick Marcel Dion. Cause he was nice. so confident that Hyman would be scoring and that there was no way the LA Kings were winning. And then he pointed out on Sportsnet after the fact, for those maybe who didn't know who Marcel Dion was, he hasn't played since the seventies and eighties. Yeah, ha. We know who Marcel Dion is and there was no way he was scoring for LA. He calls it his shot. Hyman scores. Fantastic night for Kevin BX. my hat goes off to him. He's a, he, welcome to the bandwagon. Like Kevin.
1: Finally, he said something worth welcome listening
0: to, to the bandwagon. All <laughs> right, Elliot, who are you taking your hat off to?
2: You know, this is a tough one for me. I uh, let me just say I we all know that basketball isn't my favorite sport, but yeah. I do try my best to participate, and particularly in playoff seasons, I love the playoffs of every sport. And I have to give my tip my hat off this week to LeBron James, who wow. showed leadership and the force that he is in the sports that he played. In such a unique and different way this week. Of course, if you've been following basketball, you're aware of the conflict between him and I don't even know the guy's name, but I know that he's Canadian. Dylan Brooks.
1: He's a Dylan
2: Brooks. Yeah. Who was various different ways and spaces made it about him rather than his team and got in the face of LeBron. He called him old, man.
1: You don't call the goat
2: old. He called him old. He did a bunch of different stuff. And you know, old LeBron, you know, when he was at his peak, and he's no longer at his peak, of course not. He's been in the league, what, 22 years, Braden, something like that? Mm-hmm. He would have just put up 50, right? But instead, he led his team to the next the victory in the next game. And he did so with grace, uh, but with a sternness that I think only furthers the conversation about whether he is the greatest basketball player to ever play the game. And... I'm not well willing or able or qualified to wade into that debate. But when I look at what happened this week, it certainly gives someone like me with a, you know, a bird's eye view of the sport pause. Uh, I thought it was outstanding, both just in the way that he led his team, but also in the way that he behaved. He showed who he truly was, who we know who he is on and off the court. Um, proud to have been able to watch his career. Despite uh, my lack of knowledge and, frankly, interest in basketball. So I'll tip my hat off to LeBron James this week. Uh, lots of reasons why throughout his career, but tonight I thought
1: really moved me in a way that doesn't always move me in basketball.
0: Great choice, Elliot. Who you got, Braden?
1: All right. I'm also going to tip my hat to a good story um, the Wrexham Football Club, they won. In the second year under ownership with Ryan Reynolds, Rob McElhaney, they are moving up into the English Premier League. Is that right? No, Football. they're moving <laughs> up. They're
0: moving up into <laughs> the English they're league. They're moving on division, up. division two. They're three leagues away from the Premier League. <laughs> okay. They, they were five rats. leagues away. There are four leagues. There's three between them and the Premier and League. And I tip my hat. Fourth division, but it's a so big one. Fourth You're
1: division, right. Wrexham football I believe it's been
0: I believe it's been 15 years since they got promoted Yeah, that's That's a very long time I know the feeling and if there has ever been a better laid out plan for the reality TV show to have its storybook (laughs) second season finale they have teed it up because they've got a great documentary series I think Elliot and I talked about it when we were talking about Docs uh, a few uh, months back Uh, that is a good one to check out if you haven't already I believe it's on Apple I want to say it's either on apple or yeah it's on apple go check it out uh but that's a good one braden hats off to rexham hats off to ryan reynolds and uh rob mcelaney and 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 welsh soccer uh all right that's our show for this week we will be back next week uh we'll have most of the first round uh, under our belts by that point and we'll have lots to talk about i am sure if you haven't already please check out our website at ordinarypodcasts.com you can follow us on instagram and as always thank you for listening that was hat Hattrick is a member of the Ordinary Podcasting Network. It's produced every week by Jordan Dyler coltman and Braden Dyler coltman You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Thanks for listening.